All right. Good morning. Good morning. Sorry, the mic is, is it work? No, it's on. Uh, uh. All right, well, I think we're good. Are we good, John? Okay, good enough. Hello, guys, my name is Matt. Uh, sorry for the technical difficulties. We've had something going on with a whole bunch of stuff this morning, but it's so good to see you. Uh, my name is Matt, and I work on staff here at New Denver Church if we had not have the pleasure of meeting. Um, as Stephen said, we're going through the book of Proverbs this summer, and we're looking at wisdom. We all think that we can use wisdom in some sort of area in our lives, especially in this crazy season that we're in. Uh, and with any good thing like wisdom, I think what we can do is, I think we can take this really good thing and manipulate it, and we can change it into something that it was never meant to be, right? We can take good things and change them and give them a different purpose that it was never meant to accomplish. And I think there's countless examples of this, but one of the examples that comes to my mind first is food, right? We are created to eat and to enjoy food and sitting down and creating and having a meal with others is one of the best things that we can do. But it's easy for us sometimes to, to overindulge. It's easy for us to use food as a coping mechanism to numb to not use it to bring life, but instead use it to cover up the pain that we are feeling. Another example of this that I look at is, is the entertainment industry, right? Entertainment is used to show complex concepts and paint them in a way that we can see it in a fun, artistic, and visual way. But let's be honest, right? Over this last year, how many of us have sat, have sat down and binged a Netflix series or seasons? Mine was Stranger Things. I watched all three seasons in about a week, and I'm still really concerned for Hopper. I hope season four comes out really, really soon. I'm, I'm worried about him. We can take entertainment and binge it, and when we binge Netflix, we binge Hulu. How do you guys feel afterwards, right? You probably feel sluggish or tired, and it's not that good tired of like you just worked out or you put in a shift at work. It's like, I have done nothing and I don't feel good about myself, right? For me, the other form of entertainment that I see people uh, really abusing and, and changing it to where it's supposed to be fun, instead they get angry and it makes them uh, really lazy, is video games. I don't know about you guys, I was a big gamer in college. My game of choice was FIFA. If you guys don't know what that is, it's a soccer game. I was actually really good because uh, I spent so much time doing it. I got top 2% in the world. Uh, all I needed was some Mountain Dew Code Red and some Doritos, and I was good for the entire night. Um, but like everything, if you abuse video games and you turn it into something that, instead of bringing joy and entertainment, gets you really angry when you lose or gets you really angry when things don't go your way, then we have manipulated it. And we took something good and made it into something that it was never supposed to be. Instead, I think this happens today in, in the text I'm about to read to you guys. This text is beautiful and poetic and has this huge impact in our lives. But sadly, I think it's been manipulated. It's been manipulated over the years, not, I think, in any malicious way. I don't think it was done out of malice. I think, in a lot of ways, it was done out of ignorance. And the text I'm talking about is, is Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. If you guys have, have been in church for a little bit of time, especially if you're a lady, you've probably heard this text at a woman's retreat, or you've heard this text preached to you. What this text is, is saying is it's describing a godly woman. It's describing a virtuous lady. And I think this passage has been manipulated in ways that was never meant to be. So I'm actually going to read the whole poem here for us. It's about 21 verses, and it's a little long, but please stay with me. I think it's really important. You'll see the beauty behind this poem. So here it begins in verse 10 of chapter 31 of Proverbs. 
A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets her work, sorry, she sets, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds, out, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle in her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes the seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring praise at the city gate. This is a beautiful passage that describes what a woman of virtue should look like. But sadly, I think this passage has been manipulated in ways that was never meant to be. Instead of seeing this passage as good and beautiful, we've turned it into a checklist, right? We've turned it into, if a woman does not perform everything in these 21 verses, then she is not godly or virtuous. And that is really destructive and really harmful, right? We've manipulated what this passage is is supposed to mean and instead took the goodness of this passage and replaced it with brokenness. An example that I have sadly heard and saw firsthand, maybe you guys have too, is I went to a Bible college and got a biblical studies under degree. And with that, I had a friend who was dating this girl and he were thinking, are they gonna spend the rest of their lives together? He was gonna think about, he's thinking about potentially marrying this girl and he ended up breaking up with her. And the reason he broke up with her, as he said to me, was She didn't fit all the criteria of Proverbs 31. She wasn't a godly enough woman for him. And if he's going to go into ministry, he needs someone like that by his side. That breaks my heart, right? It breaks my heart to think about turning this beautiful passage into a checklist. Maybe, hopefully, you guys haven't heard of anything like that, but maybe you have, right? And if we turn this passage into a checklist, it can get into really muddy waters really quickly, right? This, this passage begins in verse 10 with a question. It's a big question. is a wife of noble character who can find. And then the, the passage, as we read, continues on and explains what this woman is. But if this passage is a checklist, it leaves us asking a really big question. Do ladies have to be married in order to be godly or virtuous? What about those, those ladies, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 7, that are called to singleness? 
What about the ladies that are just are not married? Are they missing something? Are they not godly or virtuous? Again, if we read this passage as a checklist, which I've heard it taught upon, it leads us into dark waters quickly. The next one that gets us, again, into really, really sticky situations is this passage talks a lot about a woman taking care of her family and caring for her kids, which is a really good thing, but it leaves the question, if this passage is a checklist, what about the ladies and women that don't have kids? Even worse, what about people who want to have kids but can't? We have some of those people in our congregation like we do everywhere, and are they missing something? Are they broken? If we read this passage as a checklist, there's devastating consequences. Consequences that makes people question their worth, makes them question their value before God. And I just want to stop right here and before I continue on and say, this passage was never meant to be read as a checklist. And if you've experienced that and you're feeling that pain right now, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. We've taken this good passage and manipulated it. We've changed it into something it was never meant to be. So how should we view this passage? This passage is not supposed to be read as a box that must be checked off in order for a woman to live a godly life or a virtuous life. How should we read it? Well, the good news is, is that this passage was actually not written in English. Uh, it was actually written in Hebrew. If you guys look, uh, in a second, there'll be a slide above me that talks about what does, what does Hebrew look like. And these look like little scribbles that a toddler would make, but this is actually the Hebrew, the Hebrew alphabet or alphabet. Um, and the cool thing about this passage is this, is that it was written in a way to where every letter of the alphabet, so every line, the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet begins that line. It's, it's called an acrostic to where it begins with A and then it goes to B, then it goes to C, it goes to D and continues on. It was written in this way. And what this means is this passage is written as a poem. It's not written to be a checklist. It's written as a long poem. This is not ever supposed to be read as a checklist. In fact, if we read it as a checklist, we're taking this whole passage out of content, out of context. Pardon me. It's, it's supposed to be poetic. It's supposed to be understood in this way, not as a list of things that we must do and how, what is the point of poetry? And I, was, and I was trying to figure out the best way to describe this. The first thing that came to mind was Dead Poet Society, if you guys have seen it or not. There's a scene where Michael Keaton, who is played by Robin Williams, comes and he gathers all the students together and he tells them the point of poetry. And as they're all together, this is what he says, why we read poetry. He says, we read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the race is filled with passion. The point of poetry is never to be a checklist. It's to, it's to explain something in a really emotional and vivid way, right? It's to paint a picture using words of these really big concepts. It's to paint a picture of really hard things that we don't quite understand, and we put these words together as like puzzle pieces, or we say these things that all connect together, and then finally we can understand deep and beautiful concepts. This is how we should read and understand this passage. And if, this, if poetry is using emotion and vivid language to show us something, we need to ask the question, what is the point of this poem then? What's it trying to show us? 
And I think one key point of understanding how, what we understand this poem to be is looking where it's located in the Bible, right? Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, is actually the last verses of the whole entire book, which is really good news. After this verse, after verse 31, it ends, and it begins a new book. What the point of this poem is, it's to be a summary of everything that Proverbs was teaching us. It's supposed to be a summary of the themes that we looked at here in this book. It's not a checklist. Instead, it's a poem that explains the themes that Proverbs talks about throughout its 31 chapters and puts it in into a list that we can finally see. Oh, these are the themes that he's talking about through a book. This is why the author and editor put it at the end. It's a summary of everything. It's a summary of the major themes in the book. And you may be asking yourself, well, why is, is wisdom shown here as, as a lady? And shown as a feminine? And if, if you guys were with us at the beginning of this series, we touched upon who lady wisdom is. And lady wisdom is found uh, in really in chapter one. And we see her throughout the book. And wisdom is always portrayed as feminine within Proverbs. Uh, we talked about lady wisdom and, and gave her the name Sophia. And Sophia is this feminine beauty who holds wisdom and shows the wisdom that the Lord has. Throughout Proverbs, wisdom is described as feminine. And this means that this text is not only directed at the ladies in the room, but it's also directed for the ladies, the kids, and the gentlemen. It's directed for everybody. We all can learn something from Proverbs 31. This is not exclusively for ladies. Since the the person in Proverbs 31 is the embodiment of wisdom, this means that we all need to listen and read this passage. And I think one way we can reclaim this for being a passage for everyone and a passage that teaches us about wisdom is just at the beginning with the translation. In 31.10, most standard translations that we have, the EIV says that she is a wife of noble character. The ESV calls her an excellent wife. And while both these translations are good, I think they miss the nuance of the text, right? I think they miss something. As, as Dr. Dominic Hernandez has written, and he, he wrote a beautiful book on Proverbs, he says this about how we should interpret this passage and who is in it. He says this, a warrior woman is a colorful translation that encompasses perseverance, determination, and sacrifice it takes to live a life of wisdom. And the reason that we can translate this as warrior woman is the word for wife actually just normally means it's the same word for woman. It's not a special word in Hebrew for wife. It it just means woman. And the word that we translate as excellent or noble is actually the word for strength. So really, it is a woman of strength. That's who this passage is talking about. And I think warrior woman does a good job of putting these themes all together. If this is someone who's perseverant, this is someone who has determination and sacrifice to live the way of wisdom. And if this is if this woman in this text is the embodiment of wisdom for the entire themes of the book of Proverbs, then we really need to sit up and pay attention to this text because it's a summary of everything, right? And while there are many themes that we can look at here in Proverbs, I really want to focus in on three of them that are found within this text and found throughout the book of Proverbs. And the first major theme that we see within this text is caring for those around you. This warrior woman cares for those around her. And we see that first here in verse 15 where she talks about her family. She says this, she gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her servants. 
She makes a schedule and she cares for those in her direct need. That is wisdom. Wisdom is caring and providing for the physical needs of those around you, right? You can't be wise if you're not helping those around you. But she also just doesn't do this for her family. In verse 21, it talks about her care for the vulnerable. It says this, she opens up her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. The warrior woman, the this, this summation of wisdom is caring for the downtrodden and the destitute around us. We cannot be wise if we are self-centered and focused on ourselves. If we are not caring for those who are in difficult situations, then we're missing the point of wisdom. That's the first major theme that we see is caring for those around you. The second one is being hardworking. This warrior woman, this person who is the embodiment of wisdom is really hardworking. It says this in, in verses 17 through 18. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. Being wise means that you are diligent and earnest in the work that you do. We cannot be wise and be lazy. And we see this thing all throughout the book of Proverbs. We have to be working and diligent in everything that we do. We have to do our best. And if we do that, we are living a wise life. And if we don't, we're missing it. And the final big concept that I really want to touch on, and the theme that we see throughout Proverbs, is the speech that we have, right? In verse 26, it says this about this warrior woman. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction on her tongue. To live a wise life, one must control your tongue. And if you don't, we're not living a wise life. We don't have wisdom if we cannot control our tongue. Again, these are just three of the many themes that we see throughout Proverbs. And the good news is this, if this passage is an embodiment of wisdom, these themes have really practical implications in our lives right now, right? These themes must be lived out if we want to live a wise life, which I think we all want to do. And the first way that we can live a wise life is that we need to have wisdom and care, right? If we want to be wise, we cannot be self-centered and self-focused. This means that we have to care for those around us. This means our family, if, we have, if, you guys have, if you guys are married and have kids, you have to be able to care for your family. This means not working 80-hour weeks and actually being able to spend time with them. If you guys don't have family here in Denver, as uh, a lot of people have moved here, how else can you serve, right? How else can we serve and care for the vulnerable and needy in our community? If you guys want to talk to us, we have a whole bunch of nonprofits. We have a whole bunch of uh, organizations that we would love to help guide you to and partner with so that we can serve the community and live a wise life by serving those around us. We also, if you guys want to get more involved here in New Denver, we would love to have you guys volunteer and help out in any way. As, as fall is coming up, we are going to need more volunteers. The summer kind of dines down and it gets busy again in the fall. If you guys want to get more invested, please see myself or a staff member or look up on our website. We'd love to have you guys invest here in this community. Wisdom means caring for those around you, both your family and those who are vulnerable. We also need to be wise in the way that we work, right? This means that when you go to work, you have to put a shift in and you have to be diligent and earnest in the ways that you work. I think one of the ways you can see if you're doing this is if you asked your boss how to describe you, what words would he or she use? 
Would they see a hard worker who always comes and does their best? Or would they say someone that's just here to get a paycheck? If you want to live a wise life, you have to put a shift in. You have to be a diligent worker. And one part of work, which is really important, is giving yourself time to rest, right? You have to give yourself time to where you don't burn out. You have to give yourself time to care for those around you well. And if your work is requiring too much of you, we need to figure out a way that we can incorporate rest and rhythms in our life where we can be with those around us and get the rest we need to continue on. And the final theme that we see is this wisdom in speech as we see throughout the Bible, specifically in Proverbs, our speech and our tongue is really important. If you guys didn't have a chance to uh, listen to last week's sermon, I'd recommend going online and listening to it. Scott actually preached an awesome sermon about the speech that we have, and he used this beautiful analogy, which I'm going to take from him, is speech is like bricks, right? With our speech, we can either build up walls against ourselves that separate us, that can hurt people, that block ourselves off from the rest of the world if we use these evil and hurtful words. Or speech can be these bricks that can build up people and build this beautiful cathedral and temple for God with the words that we use. It can be either or. And how are you using your speech? If you feel like whenever you get angry, whenever something happens to you, you don't have control of your tongue, tell someone about it. Talk to myself or someone in this community or someone that you trust and let them know that that's something that you struggle with. And let's have accountability and work through this together because I promise you are not the only one in this room that struggles with that. Let's, as Christians, be known for the positive things that we say and not the negative. And I think if we do that, that'll change how we live and that'll change how others view us in the church. The good news is, for those of us who are in Christ today, we don't have to do this alone. Right? We have this community with us so that we can be wise in our care, wise in our work, and wise in our speech, but we also have the Holy Spirit living inside of us who, through time and following his guidance, we can turn in to people who live wise lives. We can live the life of wisdom and become more as the embodiment of wisdom as we see in this passage. Will you guys pray with me? Father, thank you so much that you are the, the fount of wisdom that everything flows from. Lord, thank you so much that you have given us this book. You've given us this community where we can learn about your wisdom and grow in you. Lord, I pray that this this passage will not be viewed as a checklist or things that if we do something wrong, then we are not holy or godly. But I pray, Lord, that we will see this passage as wisdom embodied and we will begin to strive after these themes here in this passage. We will begin to serve you with our lives. We pray this to the the Father, by the Son, and through the Spirit. Amen.